A warm welcome in today's episode with this question, does God answer all our prayers? Well, if God is loving, shouldn't we have all our prayers answered? I'm sure there's thousands and thousands of books written about it, but I'm here very practically bringing some tools to you because as a Christian woman, I'm sure you had many, many times when you felt God's presence and your prayers were answered. And I'm sure you also had lots of times when you God showered you in unexpected ways when you really, really need it. You felt God's hands or an angel's hands or the saints really supporting you through whatever was happening for you. But I'm sure, like you for most of us, you have had moments when you prayed and nothing happened. When you felt maybe like God is distant or silent and you were confused and even hurt. What happened? Where is God? And two choices here, right? We either wonder about, well, Maybe God is distant. Maybe God is angry with me. I did something wrong. Maybe God is testing me. We hear all those things from other people. Or maybe God is mad or he's just distant. And and can I hear my cry? Or maybe I'm unworthy. God is all loving, but I'm not one of those chosen ones. And I'm not worthy for God to answer my prayers. Type in the chat if this has happened to you, because this is very common. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it with many, many people that I work and Christians and hundreds of them and thousands of them, that when I have intimate conversations and we pause, those kind of thoughts come into our mind. But I'm here to say that there's good news here. We might know intellectually that God's nature doesn't change, but when we're in a pickle and we really feel really bad or sad or angry or frustrated and we pray and pray and nothing happens, we don't see it this way, right? And there is a subtle and powerful psychological dynamic that I want to uncover today so that you really understand what's happening with our mind so we can bring some compassion to our mind. And we don't have to believe everything that we hear in our mind and our thoughts, all right? So we circumvent the problem from the get-go. So with that, I'm going to dive right in. We're going to use the scriptures to grow and also a powerful psychological concept. And if you already know me and you're a regular welcome back, I'm so excited you're here and type in the chat to say hello. And if you're new, I'm Dr. Yuana Popa from Team for the Soul, and I'm just passionate about helping Christian women, and they come to me to help them with psychological and spiritual growth, as I love to integrate. I have a huge background in so many disciplines. Not a lot of people have that from medicine, psychiatry, mental health, psychology, education, spiritual life coaching, and theology. And I'm also a mom and raised kids and taught in middle school and high school and college. So this broad perspective allows me to synthesize everything in very condensed ways So Christian women come to me to help them this way, to coach them, and also help them discern in their spiritual lives what is going on so that they can grow in Christ. And it doesn't have to take 20 years in the desert, how it used to be, you know, early on with all the psychological tools that we have now available. So with that, let's dive in in today's episode, Grow with Scriptures, Answer Prayers, God's Nature, and Developmental Attachment Styles give you a little bit of a clue. So let's dive right in. I discovered God in my 20s. I grew up, although cradle Orthodox baptized early on, I grew up in a communist era. So there was no talk about God back then. But I've discovered God through my own very interesting prayer 
as I was an atheist. I just consider myself an atheist at the time, but I prayed to a God that I didn't know. I had shared this in another episode, but the point is that since that happened, so I prayed all the time. So I'm very familiar. I felt God really close to me. I prayed. Many prayers are answered. Sometimes prayers are not answered. And sometimes I even had amazing experiences where I literally felt that God's hands were holding either my kids or myself, you know, like kids just falling, you know, free fall from a, an accident and going head down and boom, falling on their feet, seeing them in panic mode as a mom and all of a sudden landing. Mind you, it wasn't super hot, but nonetheless, right? So I felt God's presence in many, many situations. And I had my share also of unanswered prayer. So I think, but this is very common, more common than it isn't, right? We pray for something and all of a sudden nothing happens. And I actually had many, many clients come to me with their faith being shaken because some of their prayers did not answer. There were huge communities praying for the health of a dear one. And sometimes that person was healed. We hear this in the news. We see sometimes in the movies or miraculous changes happening. And sometimes people might die. People that we know might get into really terrible accidents. We might experience serious illness or broken relationships or estrangement for our kids or things happening at work. People lose their jobs and their Christians are praying, right? So what do we do about that? You know, one way to think about it, how do I understand it? And there's books and books and books written about it. What do we know about suffering? What do you know about God's response? I'm not going to get into that particular thing because that can take hours and hours and hours and conversations and discussions and analyzing. That's not what I'm here for you. I'm here for you to bring you the psychological tools to overcome this, whatever it's here at the center in bringing these thoughts for you at the root that you'll find a way to come back to your present moment and really come back to the reality. Because we all know that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that God answers in due time and whatever is happening, it's in God's will. But that's not all very comforting, is it, right? We start doubting ourselves when we, our prayer are not answers or we see terrible things happening around us. We did something wrong. Our brain is searching for answers and we land into places like, well, maybe God is testing me. Maybe my, God is mad at me. Maybe God is distant, doesn't hear my cry. Or maybe God thinks I'm not worthy. So I got to do more things. Let's go into more striving. Let's go into more fixing. So how do we really manage our thoughts? How do we even avoid getting into this kind of rhetoric inside of our head so that we can keep ourselves in that peace that surpasses all understanding. Because we have to remember the thoughts are going to drive our emotions. Sure, emotions will come up. We might get triggered, something from the past. Absolutely. We get strong emotions. But the way we see it, the way we crystallize our thoughts in these moments have the possibility of shifting our emotions and helping us calm down and give a new meaning, a new understanding to this, which is exactly what I'm going to explain today. Or we're going to reinforce the stories and get into a poor me kind of situation and spiraling down or blaming, right? And feeling upset and then emotions get more intense and then we don't know what to do with them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm coming here 10 steps before that to really think of a global mindset that you could have 
in a, such a time so you prevent going in there or if you go you catch a fast and come right back to your center to your seat of your consciousness so the key here is actually about what do we think on a subconscious level about the nature of God and I'm sure there's lots of books about that as well about the nature of God but the key point here not is what my consciousness thinks about the nature of God but what my subconsciousness takes us for granted as the nature of God. So that's what I'm shining light on today. What we do on a subconscious, we attribute, we project emotions and human qualities to God. And this happens so fast and it's so much under the radar because we're so busy caring for others that we don't have time to really examine our thoughts. And this is crucial. This is a very important piece in all my programs, because if we don't stop to really examine our thoughts, we run our lives believing that all our thoughts are true. And that is not what is happening. We're spitting thoughts, so to speak, every moment of the day. And some thoughts are really high quality and are matching God's thoughts, and some are not. So I'm here to say that on a subconscious level, this is what happens. We're conditioned to project we project emotions, we project motivation to other people, we project well, thoughts and meaning, right? If someone comes into a room and they're frowning, we might project, oh, they might be angry. Who knows? Maybe they're angry at me. Maybe I said something wrong, right? We start right away to attribute these kind of thoughts and projections that are from inside, but they're not really coming, not even from us many times. And this is where we're going to unpack very shortly. So we actually project this onto God as well. And in today's episode, I'm not going to address why some prayers are answered, why or not. Listen, there are many books. The theology is all concerned with that secondary theology. They're all writing books. Everyone is, is pondering on mysterious realities around, the things that we cannot really explain. But bottom line, I'm just going to cut the chase here. No one really knows. God is not texting us with answers. We make our best assumptions. And then if we're synchronized and large group of people really agree with that, it makes sense, right? There's a Holy Spirit moving through us, but we are not knowing for sure. And I'm not going to address this question in here. What I'm going to address in here is something that actually will empower you will empower you discovering what's running behind our subconscious and what's driving these kind of projections to others, including to the nature of God. Because what I want for you is the fastest way to grasp and upgrade your mindsets and elevate your thoughts to be in that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's all about the mindset, the larger perspectives about God's thoughts that we can also start integrating and living by, and the emotions will follow. Now, I mentioned before, and I'm going to keep mentioning in here, sometimes we get really triggered, and then we need help. It's just simple as that. If the triggers are so intense, they'll make your day upside down, and you cannot do well, and it's coming over and over and over. If it's really intense, and there's some depression or anxiety, any mental health conditions, those are natural. I want to destigmatize this. It's absolutely natural. The same, some people have diabetes. Some people have major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or bipolar or schizophrenia. There's nothing bad that they did. It's in the genes. There's a mixture of genes in the circumstances. So 
if that would be the case, mental health treatment is very helpful. Medications are very, very helpful. Therapy is very, very helpful. Now, some people really don't need that level of intervention. They are just triggered. They can function, function well, but it's it's blocking the growth. This is where life coaching can be very, very helpful, talking with mentors or spiritual guides, because then can really disentangle this. So this is what we're doing today. We're looking at the mindset. If there's something deeper, it needs to be addressed. But all of this starts with the awareness. What are some higher thoughts? What are some better perspectives that can be more helpful? And before I'm going to dive into what scripture says about this in a way that has been transmitted to us about God's nature, I'm going to really unpack the psychological phenomenon that I really mentioned before, this powerful, powerful inner dynamic, and it has to do with attachment. See, there is such a thing as developmental psychology, and there have been studies. Dr. Ainsworth and colleagues started Pioneer really first, looking at the way infants connect with their caregivers in early years, especially early on. And they really discovered that the first year it's really critical and the attachment it starts developing between six months and a year really early on like give and take and it really has to do with the emotional bond i mean we see even let's say if you have a pet right there's an emotional bond it can it forms really early on if you get a puppy if you actually do adopt a dog or a cat or another pet their way and their temperament it's a bit imprinted it can be shifted, but it's imprinted. It happens the same with infants. We really connect with our caregivers in such a way on an emotional level very early on. And at that time, we don't have language. Our brain is not developed. The emotions are there. We see emotions in infants, but not the higher cognitive brain capacity. So we borrowed in a certain sense the brain of our caregivers and their attachment styles to their own caregivers. So you can see how it gets perpetuated. So when I trained first in psychiatry, the school of thought was that these attachments were fixed and it was not a lot to do because actually the psychological methodologies at the time weren't able to shift them. But with the advent of cognitive psychology, positive psychology, emotional-based psychologies, they're also like internal family systems, psychosynthesis. There are ways to really shift at the core the way we relate with others, which is wonderful, which is wonderful. And by the way, as mentioned before, therapies use those methodologies, but life coaching use those methodologies as well, right? It depends on the level of functioning of the person who's seeking these kind of changes. So the attachment styles, you might have heard this. If you did, this is a refresher. If this is brand new, here are the main types of attachments. It makes a difference because I want you to think in the background, this is how the parent attached to the infant, to different human beings. And this is probably what we project onto others and God. Okay, so here's the thing. The first and the most desirable attachment is secure attachment. There is actually trust. The infant trusts the parent that when the infant has needs, the needs will be met. And when that happens, Ah, the infant relaxes, trust if the parent is sometimes absent-minded or 
is not exactly present to the needs or the child knows, I trust mom or dad are going to come or whatever caregiver is, grandma, whatever the caregiver is, right? They're going to come implicitly. And I'm reminded as I'm speaking right now, I know it's coming from God because it just was got downloaded, so to speak, that God says, whenever you ask of something, I won't give you stone. What parent will give a stone to his child? Will give bread. Well, how much more God, God was so much more loving, will give bread to us. So that secure attachment, when no matter what happens, we know God is not giving us stones. It's giving us bread. We might not see it, but it's giving us bread. Now that's instinctively, right? We don't think logically necessarily about it. So it's a reaction. That's a secure attachment, which is stored in the conditioning. If you have secure attachment, amazing, bravo. This is amazing to you, to your parents. Many people have that, but many people don't. I had a mixture of my parents were very secure. And in the same time, they did like to fight. So there was a lot of a bit of a fighting inside. But I actually, because they're both working, I had to had a nanny a live-in nanny, we call it fancy nanny. Back in Romania, communist Romania, we didn't call it nanny. There was an orphan, was a teenager, and she needed a home. So it felt like a great match. My parents didn't know. They discovered several years afterwards, but she was not secure attachment. She was more of avoidant, but also resistant. And she was had some picked up some behaviors that were not nice, okay? But she was hiding them. So we couldn't, my parents couldn't really tell. Now, Fast forward now, looking back, these were insecure attachment. And here's number two type of attachment, insecure, anxious, resistant, which means we're not quite sure in the relationship. Is this person here? Is this person not there? Maybe it's unpredictable, right? And resistant means there is tension. It's ambivalent. It is push-pull with arguments. Now it's hot, now it's cold, right? This is the insecure, ambivalent, or anxious, resistant type of attachment. Now, the third type of attachment, it's insecure, anxious, avoidance. So we're not sure of the relationship like the other one. That's why it's anxious and it's insecure, but it's avoidant. We don't know if the other person will show up for us, so to speak. Imagine I'm an infant, right? I don't know if the other person will be there for me, but when they do come because I don't trust them, I'm going to avoid I'm not going to even react. And they showed interesting videos. You can Google this. Just type in attachment styles videos. And you see this in very early state ages. You see this in infants. It's fascinating. And we, all of a sudden, just watching them, I had so much compassion. And I want to encourage all of us to have that kind of step backwards, like I said in the previous episode, and think, wow, as humanity, this is what we do. And we transmit from generation to generation to generation. So we're here to call to higher consciousness in Christ so we can break the patterns. We're not going now into the past. See if you can hear me. Maybe your thoughts are already going into some past experiences and all of that. You know, there's a place to unpack that. That's absolutely okay. But see if you can just pause me for a second. And just breathe in really deeply, get some deep oxygen. So when we realize that this is a condition that we all are in, 8 billion people, we have all sorts of types of attachment and we perpetuate what is given to us. There's just a softness that can happen in all of us. Like, oh, we're all in this together, really in a certain sense. As a humanity as a whole, we're really experiencing this together. 
So sending compassion is very, very helpful. And the fourth type, I'm just saying this for the purpose of this mini training and and episode is disorganized attachment, which is rare situations, but the most striking example was, and I'm from Romania, right? Was in the news here in America when the Romanian orphanages were discovered and there were so many orphans and they had, they were neglected and they had this disorganized, they, they didn't know really what is, how to attach emotionally to someone else. So those are rare examples. But bottom line, for most of us, we have some sort of pattern. So I grew up with more, some secure attachment, but also some anxious resistant and some anxious avoidant. And I had to grapple with this. But what I realized fundamentally, and this is our invitation right now, that we have two choices. The past is actually gone. We can go into the past and there's a process to do that and uncover and talk with someone dear. So If that's you and you want to do that, please find that someone to do that. And in the same time, in the moment, we can actually shift. We have a choice through our focus to shift, to realize, wait a minute. That means that my reactions and emotions and thoughts about God, they're not necessarily true. They mean nothing about the nature of God. They just are my projections from my past experience. And the past is gone. So I'm going to stay in the present moment. Does that make sense? So realizing, and this was the breakthrough for me many, many, many times, because I can get into why did this happen and the cause and the emotions, but then I'm stuck in the mindsets versus, wait a minute, is there a better perspective here? And I'm doing this through journaling. When we journal, we actually see our thoughts on paper, like, oh my goodness, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. So I encourage you, write them down. And all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, this is not my story. This is something that is familiar. So most likely, if it's an attachment story, you could just say, oh, this is a projection. This is not God right? The whole purpose here is to realize God. What's the nature of God? So let's turn to scripture around God about this. In the New Testament, we hear about every good and perfect gift come from above. And he comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is James 1, 17. So we'll encourage you this to really realize, hey, we project onto God, but God loves us. He sends us every good and perfect gift and he's coming from God and there's no variation or shadow of turning. We can trust God. We can really do. Even when our prayers are not answered or things might happen that are really we don't like, which absolutely happens all the time, right? We don't control the universe. We just don't. Things will happen out of our control. So just remembering that God is steadfast and God is there for us. And this truth has been preserved in many Christian denominations, including in the ancient Christian faith, which I'm familiar with. So God's nature does not change. We might change. We might get hijacked in a bubble from our past when someone says something to us or something happens. But fundamentally, it's possible. And that's what I want you to entertain. Oh, this might not be the truth that I did something wrong or God is not answering my prayer and I have to fix this and I have to fix that. Maybe it's not that. Maybe something else It's a mystery, which we don't understand, but we can stay into our peace. We can really believe and have that safe attachment with God 
right? That God trusts us, we trust him, and then we get into more resourceful states. I keep coming back to a resourceful state. It's so easy when we sometimes to just be pulled in unresourceful states. It's so as easy as well to come back. Just keep breathing. Come and breathe deeply. Take some nice calming breaths. And then we get centered and we realize, oh, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he loves me and he's unchangeable. So I'm going to summarize the steps for you. What you can do, first of all, get to the root, right? We're talking about before we even start thinking and get into the rabbit hole with our thoughts, that deep down, realize that we all have assumptions, most of them coming from early experiences we have, which we cannot change, by the way, but we can be empowered now how to respond to them. And most of us have assumptions about relationships coming from our attachments, and we project onto God, but God is unchangeable. So it's just a perception, right? Just realize, oh, I have assumptions coming from the past. It is because of conditions, attachments, most likely, especially relational, right? When we talk about relationship with God, as simple as that, just realize that this is not the truth. It's an assumption. Number two, notice that we don't need to go into all the emotions because I've mentioned this in another episode that our mind has a memory, has what's called state-dependent memory. So if I'm thinking of something sad, let's say someone tells something to me and I'm really sad right now, more sad memories are going to come. We're just prone to do that. But we shift it really quickly with our focus, with our alertness, really quickly. Oh, that's a place we could go there, but I do have a choice. I don't have to go there right now. I might want to go there when I talk with someone that I trust. But right now, I can choose to shift my focus into this reality of whom I am right now, right? And I just realized, wait a minute, my poor brain is just conditioned to assume things. So when we shift that, all of a sudden, the fundamental premise, like my poor brain is just conditioned to assume things. The brain is going to do what the brain is going to do. Emotions are going to do what emotions are going to do. But I'm more than that. I'm at the seat of my consciousness. I don't have to believe them. I don't have to believe all the thoughts. And I can choose how I respond to them. This is very empowering. And number three, that as I mentioned earlier, we do not have to believe all our thoughts. You might hear your thoughts telling a thousand, thousand times. God doesn't love me. I did something wrong. Da, 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 da. We can go into that. You do not have to believe it. It's as simple as that. And discover that power. All right. Okay. Number four, I want you to make a decision today. It really starts with a decision. It's one of my mentors. She's really stressed on that. It really starts with decisions. So decide today that you'll know for sure a hundred percent that God's nature is unchangeable. Loves you unconditionally, agape love. You're never going to give you rocks, only bread for salvation, whatever that means. And we don't even need to understand all of that because many times it's a mystery. And if you really get stuck, like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Just remember Christ on the cross, please. Just remember when Christ, after he was beaten and people were mocking him, the soldiers were mocking him, were surrounded by the thieves. What did he say? God forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Why did he say that? He knew they were conditioned. He knew there was no space in their awareness to realize all this. So 
That's the nature of God, that even when people are doing really mean things, he's with everyone, including you and me, especially that we're believers. And number five, and when you pray, already thank God for answering your prayers. Like to help your subconscious, to help your faith, when you pray for something, already say, God, thank you for answering my prayers. Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Because in James, we hear, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And that wind metaphorically is our conditionings or whatever it's popping up in terms of our thoughts and emotions. This is from James 1, 6 and New King James Version. So God's nature is divine. He's not human. It's unchangeable. God loves you. God loves me. God loves people and desires nothing more than help you. Because we have many things out of our control. Pretty much everything in this world is out of our control. We're such a tiny speck, right? But you and God inside our powerhouse. You have the power of our thoughts, or your emotions, of our reactions, over your body expression, of your beliefs, of your orientation. Check one of my YouTubes when I go over the seven levels of empowerment. And we have these, not to control our emotions and thoughts, but how do we respond to them? How do we respond to our inner world? And how do we respond to our outer world? And we want to grow in such a way that we can really be inspired by God and train not just our conscious world, so to speak, but also our subconscious. So if you are having some questions about this and you like some guidance, I just open up a clarity call link. We'll put it down in here and you can set up a call with me and then I can help you brainstorm, kind of discern, okay, you want to, I'm hearing all these, but how do I apply in my life? I'm happy to come and support. And when we talk, if you want to also find out about my programs, I can tell you more. Just remember to ask me and then make sure you subscribe on the YouTube so you'll get the weekly reminders. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and share the world. If you find this valuable, this weekly episodes valuable, share with other Christian women because there's nothing more than I want. I really want to empower Christian women and create a movement that we can know about science, about psychology, spiritual care, about theology, and our Christian faith in such a way that we know how to take steps in the moment, not just theoretically, but practically how to move us forward in such a way that we can be fulfilled and happy and joyful in God, and we can continue to grow, and you can continue to grow in your vocation. So share the word, and ask me questions if you have. You can find me easily on the platforms that I've shared and on the website. So with that, I'm going to end with the prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for today's episode. I thank you for the inspiration, but I mostly thank you for the Christian women that are so amazingly in love with you and want to follow you and want to grow in such a way to experience your power, your healing ability, your enlightenment in such a way to really experience your thoughts, to really be moved to more and more compassion with healthy boundaries, to really move from the losses and grief towards hope, to really be able to regenerate on the go and have a pattern of daily rhythms that are actually sustainable 
and can take care of their body, their mind, their hearts, and their soul, that they can transform and towards your likeness in discovering and empowering themselves in ways that are actually possible because we put our lives into your hands, Christ, and we pray for the entire humanity. And I pray also for everyone's family and their friends and their church communities. I pray all this in Jesus' name. So I'll see you in next week's episode and click on the links to get a call with me. I want to be of service to you. So fill that calendar. And then, then if you're interested, ask me and we can figure it out where we need to go from there. But with that, I say thank you and goodbye for now. Take care. Thank you.